This episode of The Modern People Leader is brought to you by Learnerbly. It's workplace learning that actually works. Companies like HelloFresh, King, and Activision Blizzard all use Learnerbly and are seeing up to three times more learner engagement. Their platform and marketplace of 250 plus learning providers is carefully curated and quality controlled so that only the best resources are ending up in front of your people. From courses to podcasts to books, people can choose the resources that work best for them. And not only that, but Learnably does this in a way that gives people teams a full view into their L&D budget and how effectively it's being spent. One success story that caught my eye was actually from Dext. They went from having 15 learning requests the year prior to 221 requests, all in the space of just four months. And as a cherry on top, they saved their people team over 220 hours of work that would have previously been spent on L&D requests. If you want to try Learnably for yourself, you can sign up for a seven-day trial to their platform with a complimentary $20 learning stipend that you can spend on yourself. Just go to get.learnerbly.com slash MPL. That's get.learnerbly.com slash MPL. Go check it out. You're listening to the Modern People Leader Podcast. Today's episode will be a part of our People Leader Series, where we go behind the scenes with today's top HR leaders and talk to them about how they've gotten to where they're at and what they really do every day. Our guest today is Yael Iram, Head of Leadership and Professional Enablement at Tanium. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? I think we all came to the consensus that we're all tired, but... All tired? Well, I was about to say, this morning recording, like I don't, I feel like I could count the number of morning recordings we've done on like two hands. Um, usually we record in late afternoon, evening. Um, and so today we're recording in the morning and, uh, so that, that checks out <laughs> that we're all a little tired, but hopefully this conversation brings some energy because we have some really cool things to talk about today. Uh, so we typically start with, uh, a tradition at the modern people leader. We call it good news stories. We all share a personal or work-related story from the past week, few days, just a way of sharing a little positivity. And so uh, would you like to kick us off with good news stories? Yes. I, your timing couldn't be better on this one because yesterday at our company All Hands, um, so, so Tanium, we just celebrated yesterday the news that for a second year in a row, we have been recognized on Fortune, Fortune's 100 best companies to work for list which is a really big accomplishment and we're super proud of it. And we've also been recognized as a great place to work for the first time in France and, and also for the second time in Japan. So we're feeling good. I'm feeling good. Our, our teams had a little celebration yesterday. Our new CEO, Dan Streetman, did a cheers for us with some sparkling cider and some death. Um, and, we, and, we had a, and we had a good time yesterday just feeling like, you know, it's a good way to start off our year. And so we're super proud of that. So that's my good news story. Well, go Tanium. That's uh, yeah. that is good news. Yeah. And Stephen, I know that you're probably still thinking of your good news, so I can go next. Um, and let you stall for a bit longer. <laughs> so, yesterday we did a uh, MPL group chat, and we do these occasionally. We'll, we're trying to do it on a monthly basis. And the group that we spoke with yesterday are four people that are now like our first like three timers that have come on to the Modern People Leader. It's always interesting catching up with people that we've talked to on the show. And the last time that we had spoke with them was almost two years ago. The amount of change that's happened in the workplace over the last two years 
I think that that's like good news in itself. And then after we had our call with them, we were just hanging out for a few minutes on the Zoom call. And we've been trying to like crack like what a community could look like for the modern people leader outside of the podcast. And we got some really good feedback from the crew. So I think me and Steven are both pretty excited about that. Oh my God. I, I, I want to like spill the beans but without like fully, but it's not fully fleshed out yet. And we want to get feedback from our, our current community, which includes a lot, you know, more than a hundred individuals that we, we met with. And so super excited about that. I, my good news, I feel like the last few weeks has been like a modern people leader love fest, like from meeting with our with a lot of our guests at Transform last week I've described it as like meeting meeting up with long lost friends that we haven't seen in person in this case we had never seen in person and it just was amazing to to experience that IRL and and just the 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 energy and the positivity and the sentiment like it, it truly feels like reuniting with old friends and, and the love fest continued yesterday. Like I, we, uh, to Daniel's point, you know, these are some of our earliest guests and hearing the feedback that they shared with us. Cause we hadn't spoken to, to them in two years, more than two years, just the words they were using and the feedback they gave us, it was humbling and gratifying and just reassuring that we are we are, we're doing good work here. And Daniel and I think so, but it's easy to kind of like live in a vacuum when you're not, when others aren't, <laughs> you know, sharing feedback. And so it, uh, I hope the, the modern people leader love fest continues. So that's my good news. Well, I have to say, just jumping onto that, I have shared your podcasts with people since I found, since I found it with people far and wide, friends, people in HR. I love what you're doing and I'm a big yeah. So I think what you're doing has major impact. And what's crazy about it is you never know whose ears it's going to fall on, right? Um, and it's just, it's it's pretty great. So I can just jump into that love fest and tell you that that I am a big fan and I think the work you're doing is incredibly impactful. And if anything, it just makes people feel like a part of the community, especially as we're all over the globe. So thank you for what you're doing. Oh, you're very welcome. And thank you for joining us. Enough talking about us. You know, this, <laughs> we, we exist. And, 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 you know, I'll share with you the same thing I shared with, with our group chat yesterday that we, you know, the success is you are part of the success, like officially right now. And so, so let's talk about you as a person, you as a professional. I call this the Brene Brown question. Like, Tell us your story. <laughs> what what are you all about? Like walk us through your journey and how that led to you becoming the head of leadership and professional enablement at Tanium. Yeah, um, I love it. And I love, I love the Brene Brown reference. I know that's part of it. You know, I thought a lot, a lot about this and I had a couple of approaches. Like, what should I say? Should I talk about my career story, which it's pretty wild. And it's like many, it is not what you would expect. And so I will share that, but I have to back it up and talk about kind of like where the person behind the career kind of like came from, because I think that's really important. So I grew up in a small home. I grew up in New York, which people can probably tell from the second they hear me speak, even though I've tried really hard to get rid of that New York vibe. But, you know, I had two older brothers, small home, two working parents, like many people. And, you know, 
it really pushed me to, for better or for worse, understand the power of having a voice, honestly, and knowing when to use it. And I think from an early age, I sort of just learned a lot about how to step back and listen. Like, what does it mean to learn when you can have influence and when you can't? I was scrappy. I was innovative. I was super curious. And honestly, I spent a lot of time just trying to keep up with, you know, my brothers or with my family or with what was happening. And so what that did was it really made me think about what was important to me, how I could go out and get what I wanted. And it gave me this sort of drive that I think has then propelled me to do everything else. It also made me fiercely independent. And then it really led me to the last thing, which then led me to a career, which was very similar to you, Stephen. I spent a lot of time writing as a young kid. My parents were those kind of parents who there was no TV. There was like that tiny little black and white TV that you like could pick up and turn the channel dials. Like I'm sure I'm so old even saying that. As a result, right, I read and I wrote and I loved learning. And I realized from a young age what that the power of really learning could do and how it felt like if you could learn something new, it could lead you anywhere. And if you followed your curiosity, it could lead you anywhere. And so that was kind of the heart of, of what happened. Now, fast forward, you know, many years. And I think that as far as a career goes, I ended up going to Columbia for grad school. And the reason that's important is because at that time, I already knew I wanted to do something with learning, something with education. What I didn't know at the time was that there was a movement for for charter schools. And so my early career was not in tech. <laughs> it was not in cybersecurity, what I'm doing now. It wasn't even in the private sector. It was actually founding public schools. Um, and so the first thing I did after I was at Columbia was I had an opportunity to join a, a, a couple of other people and be a founding member of a from scratch, roll up your sleeves and build a school. And that was my, like my first real career. And so that's what we did. Um, I, I took my master's. We applied for a grant. We were given this grant and, and we, we started a, a high school, a charter high school from scratch, handpicked our students. And we started off with a wow. group of, you know, 25. And some of them are probably listening to this podcast right now. And they are now adults with careers. Some of them are married, have babies. And, you know, it's, it's wild to think about that. And what drove me to do that was just seeing like, there are people, young people all over who have insane potential. And for whatever reason, you know, there's overcrowded schools, people falling through the cracks. And I just was driven to find a way to create equity through education, opportunity through education. And honestly, seeing people being able to be their best selves and watching people find out who they are through access to learning once you have that taste of that, for me, I just knew there was nothing I wanted to do more than, than do something to do with learning. From there, um, I, I started to lead, right? I started to lead teachers. Within that, right, building a school, you're, you're innately a leader. Like, you're the principal, you're the teacher, you're the guidance counselor, you're the janitor, you're kind of doing that. Then you're hiring teachers and then training them. And, you know, that kind of inherently you learn, right, what it means to lead. How do you get respect? How do you build a community? And then that was really my first taste of the power of building an intentional culture. <laughs> and that if you want a place not just to be built, but to thrive and to last, that you actually need to pay attention to culture. 
And, um, and that's what really drove me um, to, to, to a lifelong passion of, of being in, in the people org, in a people team and connected with people. Um, so, so that was my early foundations. Um, from there, I had an opportunity to, uh, to then move. I moved to, uh, to Uganda and I was able to then do similar work there with the, with the ministries of health and education building some health resource libraries, building schools and training and training some educators there in Kampala, Uganda um, for a period of time, which gave me access to see, okay, across cultures, guess what? There's a lot of similarities, you know, like whether you're in Uganda and then I later had an opportunity to go to India and study on a Fulbright, again, learning and education. And what it taught me was whether you're in Delhi or in Kampala or in New York or in, I like later did the similar work in East Oakland. The, the similarities across cultures are people want to learn together. People thrive when they feel seen and heard. And that when you pay attention to culture, unbelievable things can happen. And so that's, that's kind of my early story. Wow. I, I, there, there, I love it. And there's so many things that I wanted to like jump in and, and add comments, <laughs> yeah. but Daniel's like, ah, we, you got to let our guests talk, Stephen. And so, um, first, like, I feel like it is a, a, it was like a rite of passage having one of those, if you're like Gen X or older, having one of those TVs and knowing having the 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 tenacity to find the channel because you would like move the dial on those black and white TVs where you kind of had to find the the channel. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like <laughs> yeah. they never worked and they're like awkward little antenna rabbit ear things. I used, to have to take, uh, I used to have to take a um a hanger, a wire hanger. Yes. And, you yes. know, and then holding it like in the exact right position so that we could get reception and watch like, you know, the A-team. Yeah. I totally remember that. And most of our guests probably do not even know what we're talking about. I, or, I don't. Or, sorry, excuse me. Guests, oh. our, our audience. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, what the second thing that, that, that caught me was shout out to your parents. Like what a, an amazing thing to, to, I guess instill in your 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 kids or your daughter i have two daughters and you know i love that your parents pushing you to find your voice and and knowing not only finding a voice but knowing when to use it i i think is just such an an amazing thing to a, a gift to to give your children and um i think that that's just so awesome and so i want to learn a little bit more about tanium and what 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 you guys do and so when you're at a party or you're with your 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 aunties or whomever you know <laughs> what is your how do you describe you know what tanium does to kind of the layperson holy moly okay great um well i can tell you that if i'm at a party and i'm talking about tanium this is not good so uh, i should not be talking about work fair I, enough I fair enough i'm talking about work <laughs> Okay. No, but I, I sometimes do. I'm like, okay, let me tell you about because I'm so, I love, love, love the culture. But um, so Tanium, you know, the way I would describe it, first of all, Tanium was founded in 2007 by a father and son team named David and Orion Hindawi. And that, that's important because there's something about that when you have a company that is built by a father and son team, it's been like a, uh, it's been a, a, like a startup 
and that they've stuck through it. And we actually have our first CEO who's not <laughs> the founder of the company for the first time just in the past two months. And so it's just now shifting. But for since inception, it's been founded and run by the father and son team that has built the company. So there's been just a lot wow. of, right, it's the blood, sweat, and tears. And it's, the, it's that investment. Sweat equity has gone into Tanium. So it's a rapidly growing cybersecurity company. It's a technology platform and it provides endpoint management solutions. So I'll tell you what that means for the layperson. So we provide a single platform that can identify where all of your data is and secure it and protect it and provide critical security controls for it. So I'll give you an example. You have 2,000, let's say, endpoints. What that means is different error, different you know, computer systems. Let's say you're a school district, which is one of our recent, you know, recent customers. And you might have 800 of these that you don't even know that they're vulnerable to security breaches. Um, so what Tanium does is we allow control and visibility and remediation for every single endpoint in real time to provide maximum security so that there are no security breaches, so that vulnerabilities are detected in real time and can be dealt with in real time. And also to just let our customers know where they are vulnerable, because 94% of companies have vulnerabilities that they're entirely unaware of. If you asked a company, how many endpoints do I have? In other words, how many computers or systems out there do I have? They'd say to a thousand. It'd be like, well, it's 1700 or something like that. So this is what, what, what Tanium does, if I could describe it kind of in real terms, you know, I mean, some of our customers are, for example, like five branches of the U.S. Armed Service, 70% of Fortune 100 companies, financial institutions. And here's what's crazy. $160 billion will be spent on cybersecurity each. Wow. Yeah, right? Yeah. That's and crazy. What, it, what else is crazy is organizations, most of them that aren't necessarily using, a, you know, a solution like Tanium are, are using various solutions. So in other words, you're going to buy multiple platforms. You're going to try to get it right. You're going to patch a bunch of solutions together and you're going to waste resources and time and energy and a lot of money trying to figure out all of the right solutions. So the average company uses 43 different tools for IT and security at one time. And a ransomware attack occurs every 11 seconds. And so Stanium provides the solutions for this. I'm not trying to freak people out, but it's just true. <laughs> well, and I, I was going to say earlier, like the you've never been busier. I, I've got to imagine the last few years have just been, um, you know, a very busy time for yeah. you all. Yes, yes. And, it's, and it's so... Go ahead. Go. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I mean, yesterday uh, during one of the leadership sessions, we talked about, you know, what is one of your absolute values as a leader? And one, and, you know, people talk about agility, agility right now. We've got to be agile because change is the number one thing that I mean, we are never, ever bored. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. And so why should we be jealous that you get to work at Tanium? Okay, so there's a few reasons. But, you know, I thought about this question and I have to say it's the only place I've worked. Um, where Tanium really lives its values. And I know every company has values and they have a mission statement. And actually, when I interviewed and um, in the interview committee, they talked about our three values. And I thought, you know, a little bit like, <laughs> roll, I roll, you know, values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's got the values. There isn't a person, and even our customers know exactly what the values are. I mean, we really live them. So it's we do the right thing. We are unstoppable and we win as a team. 
And these three values are so simple. And what's crazy about that is there is not a day where something will happen, whether it's, hey guys, I'm swamped. Can I get somebody to help me? Or I reach out to another team or I need somebody to look over something and somebody doesn't step up and say, I can help, even though I've got a lot of other things on my plate. You know, we also intentionally walk our values every day because we have like, if you're nominating somebody for a shout out, whether it's a team meeting or a global all hands, we do shout outs, we do recognitions, and they're always aligned with a value. Which one of these values is this person walking, um, exemplifying, you know, being unstoppable or doing the right thing? People will always ask, how can I help? What can I do? Um, and I, I just, I feel lucky, you know, and then there's other stuff. I mean, it also helps when people recognize your company, like great place to work in Japan. I mentioned that earlier, we won great place for best workplace well-being in the UK just this year, 2023. I mean, we've, we've been on people, companies that care list, just having that recognition. It's not just that we know it and we feel it, but it's recognized, which means you guys, we can attract really good talent. People want to work for us and we're able to really bring in not just incredibly, incredibly smart people who can execute, but actually also people who, who strongly believe in the same values and who want to do the work, you know. So you're busy, <laughs> you're working your butt off beside high performers, but you're also in a place that deeply cares. And I find this to be a unique recipe. Yesterday, one of, uh, one of our guests on our group episode was talking about how the companies that are creating these win-at-all-costs cultures are not going to be sustainable. And when I look at your values and it's do the right thing, unstoppable, and win as a team, the one that sticks out to me is do the right thing. It's yeah. so easy to uh, take the shortcut or, um, I don't know, there's there's so many decisions that we make every day in the work that we do. And I don't know, if, if I could just live my life by these three values, I think I'd live a pretty good life. So love the yeah. values at Tanium. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I love them too. And I have to, I have to give a shout out to our CAO, our Chief Administrative and Operating Officer, Bina Cherezia, because, you know, I, 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 she has created she's our you know head of our head of our operations and um you know she and our chief people officer Tobias Julin have created this and really really help it trickles down it's just you feel it you know even yesterday seeing seeing them and you know everybody gives each other a hug like we're happy right. to be working together and respect each other yeah well I love the early shout out all right so can you can you give us can you give our listeners an idea of, you know, what you're doing every day as the head of leadership and professional enablement? Like, what does your day-to-day -day look like? And, and what are some of the things that you're focused on right now? Yeah, um, it depends on the hour. I mean, you know, kind of wearing a lot of hats. I think a lot of people are right now as, you know, people are doing, I think, a lot more lately. So I'm wearing a lot of hats, but um, mostly what I'm doing is I have built out a roadmap that kind of, that falls into two lanes. One is leading at Tanium and one is growing at Tanium. And so I spend a lot of my, my time and my team really looking at building out trainings, programs that align to one of those two tracks. So supporting current people leaders in what they need, whether that's a six-week foundational leadership training program, which I'll tell you about, or whether that's developing critical skills or whether that's 
teachers as leaders. So there's a lot of these very specific programs. I mean, leaders as teachers, what that that I'm focusing on. And then the other track is growing at Tanium, which is for all of those people who are wanting to grow in their career. We're spending a lot of time in career growth and development. It's actually one of our, we're responding to our Pulse survey, engagement survey on let's look at what is the company talking about? What do people want? They want to grow. How do I grow my career? What's my next step? Can I have a reach assignment? So we're really looking at focusing a lot of our team on how do we support those people who are high potential, who are motivated and who want the opportunities to grow their skills, their careers. Maybe they want to be people leaders. What does that look like? What's the next step? You know, so we do that. The other thing that we're doing a lot of, you guys, is spending time really building cohort-based learning. And I know we're going to talk about this um, when we look at some of the programs, but I do spend a lot of time working with like our HRBPs. So there's a lot of partnership there around what's working. What is the business need? You know, talking to our, our function leaders and really doing a lot of listening sessions, you know, like what's happening in the business? What are leaders talking about? What are the pain points and how can we address them to support the business at large and to make sure that that people aren't stagnating? So, so those are the things like I do on a day-to-day basis. It might be anything from updating web-based training to leading and facilitating a training to joining a leadership team meeting kind of runs the gamut. <laughs> and and so this, I'm jumping in because I'm just yeah. curious. I, I want to ask about the balance between online learning yeah. and cohort-based learning. So as I, if I understand you correctly, these cohort programs are smaller groups, kind of more tailored learning and development programs for these first smaller group consumption. And I feel like we were, especially in the early days of the podcast when we were still effectively in operating with lockdown orders and everything, but yet we were growing. It was like this, this weird place to be. And it was like, grow, 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 scale, scale, scale. Mm-hmm. And uh, how have you all balanced the need to have uh, learning and development programs that scale and learning and development programs that are effective. Yeah, this is a really good one. Like, wouldn't it be great if I just had the answer and then everybody would be like, oh, this is how you scale. <laughs> I would say I would pause it and I would say, hey, why don't we talk about launching a business? Because I think that that's a billion dollar business right there. I mean, that's literally always the question, Stephen, is how do you create meaningful programs that are sticky and that scale and that are cost effective? I mean, come on, you know, and oh, by the way, measure and with with really impactful measurements. Yeah, I agree. Right. Um, Got to calculate the ROI. (laughs) (laughs) So this is like the unicorn program. But actually, I do have an answer for this. And it's funny because I talked about this very recently with my manager about, you know, okay, like when I was building out the FY, we're in FY24. No, we're in, anyway, we're in FY24, even though we're in 2023. So if I say that, I'm not making a mistake. It's just the way our company is working. And and the answer to that is here's what, at least here's what we're doing right now. And it's been a year and a half to two years of this and, and it keeps working. So we keep building on this model. So we're doing hybrid and I'm sure you've heard of this. I'm sure people are talking about this, but this is the way we're kind of building a hybrid model. So I'll take like our newest program, for example. So we built out 
a program called the Skills and Performance Program. It's a program that's not necessarily just for leaders, but it's based on what we did was we got strategic learning plans all across our enablement team for all of our major stakeholders. So everybody, marketing, sales, engineering, everybody across the company. We looked at themes. What are people asking for the most and where can we drill down soft skills? What are those critical skills that are going to enable everyone function agnostic to thrive? And the first one that my team came up with was let's the one that is the most critical right now is influential communication. And that's huge, right? What does that mean? Difficult conversations, feedback, presentations, everything. Influential communication. So I said, okay, let's build out this model that allows for something that is relatively scalable, but also engaging. So here's what we do. We have cohorts of 50, which is larger than we would normally have any virtual cohort. We run them two at a time, so two different facilitators, but they're on the roadmap, so like 100 per quarter. They are open to anybody who wants to join, but we do try to focus primarily on people who are not people leaders, so people who are growing in their careers. And we built out a curated learning path that aligns directly with those skills that we utilize a combination of some TED Talks, some articles that we've that we've used from Jana, a resource for Franklin Covey, some LinkedIn learning. I spent a lot of time curating this path. And then provide that on a weekly basis. They are in accountability groups. They meet weekly in their accountability groups. There's a public tracker that tracks what they're meeting on. They have discussion points and a really specific. So imagine like your online learning, you're getting your degree online, right? It's a very similar model. They then post videos on our Slack channel. And so we all, all are communicating that way. We share our aha moments. We all reply to each other. And then they track each other. They track who's completed the work. And then we all meet in week three for a three-hour session that builds on that work and that content where they do like breakout groups, highly engaging work. They all meet each other. They do like big case studies on, you know, current issues, problems. They practice. And then they have post-session learnings that they continue. With that, we also do pre and post assessment. So like, here are the critical skills before you go in. And then a month out, we'll encourage people to take that same survey and sort of look at some of those critical skills growths. So in that sense, it's scalable. It still does require that, that element of being together. But most of that learning occurs because they're doing it themselves, but they're highly accountable as opposed to just like, I'm taking web-based training, la la la. Like I might do it or I might be doing it and I'm checked out. They're in it. They're talking to each other. They're posting and they're meeting each other. You know, like every person who does this is meeting somebody they've never met before in the company. Um, So that's a model we use. Yeah, no. And thank you. Thank you so much for for sharing that because I do feel like finding that balance is so, so difficult for all the the entrepreneurial HR practitioners out there, like I, I, you could, I feel like you could be a consultant that helps companies design programs like you just walked us through, and mm-hmm. and how to achieve that balance. Because I, you know, what what I'm what I love about what you just walked us through is it's not an either or, right? Yeah. There are elements of a custom training with foundational the the tools that are part of that program, 
um, include scalable, the scalable things that you, that you already have as part of your programs, like LinkedIn learning, et cetera. And so it, it's, it, you kind of weave the two together, which I think is really unique and cool. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it's, I have to say, uh, we, we just wrapped up one of our cohort trainings. I think it was like two weeks ago. And I mean, our, we rate, we have an MPS out of five. And I mean, we got a, like a four, nine out of five and a hundred percent of people said that they recommend it and find it relevant. And for a training that's new, <laughs> that we built entirely in house, that's, we were shocked. Um, it was yes. really, really shocking response to that training. That's that's great. And my big, my big beef with, uh, with linked with online learning is, you know, I, um, in my years at Goldman, one of the things that was really kind of ingrained in me, there's so many things that were ingrained in me from my time at <laughs> Goldman, but one of which was, you know, action-based learning and yeah. like it, to the extent that you, you learn, and I forget the metrics, but your the learning retention is like, multiples higher if there is a, a component of like action-based learning, like applying the things that you just, that you were just taught in like a practical way. And, and again, going back to, to the cohort program that you just walked us through, there are elements of that. And I think that's so important, but you lose that with most online training programs. And so, cause it's just like a answer, interpret, answer, you know, digest, answer. And, um, but you're not like doing anything with that information. Totally. And the other thing too is if, well, first of all, if they're mandatory and they're web-based, it's like, oh God, it's perfunctory. I'm just doing it. I'm just, just, you know, okay. But the other thing too, is that people are, there's wait lists for these programs, you guys, like people want to do them. And, and it's not, sometimes I'm like, why, what is it? You know, is it the learning? Is it the cohort base is it but 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 honestly people continue to give us we like you know i do focus groups we do a lot of qual feedback where i'm reading it all like what's what's up guys you know how do we make it better what do you like about it what should we continue to do tons of that and you know the feedback is consistently like we love learning together and we know that this is not like this is this is not a hot take you know i mean we love learning together ever people do and um you know but but like wow you're going through something in the eng team or in, you know, um, the customer org or on the people team or, oh, I just met a senior recruiter who I, I've been here eight years. I never would have ever met this person. And guess what? We just shared something that we're both going through and workshop together. So, you know, that piece is, that piece is huge. And, and it also reinforces accountability, you know, like you're accountable to the other people. So it motivates you more to, to sort of show up and kind of do the work and and bring your best self into it. Yeah. So I want to, there's a couple of questions that I don't think we're able to get to, but I'm going to skip to the lead pilot. Is that still what y'all are calling it? Yeah, we just thought okay. totally. Thanks for asking. We changed the name because you guys were not calling managers managers anymore. Managers are leaders. This is hot. This is a hot date. Um, oh yeah, yes, spicy. This. It is spicy. It's um, it's it's a just it's another way of creating intentional culture. So yeah, it's 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 a rebrand from it used to be called Map, the Manager Accelerator Program. It is now called Lead. And by the way, this is the first that anybody's hearing of this because we haven't even told anybody that it's called Lead yet. Literally, no one. So um, you're the first to hear this, and it's the leader 
accelerator program. And uh, and then we are actually changing a lot of our branding because we're also not calling employees employees anymore. We're calling them team members. So again, intentionally building some culture. Yeah. yeah. So. And can you can you share more about this this program? Yeah, totally. So the program is six weeks. Um, it is a program for anybody who's a people leader. So whether you have one direct report or whether you're leading a team of 700 and we've had everybody across the gamut, right? Like it's a mandatory, if you are new or you're newly promoted, it's mandatory. But um, people, people um, about close to 90% of the people leaders at Tanium have graduated from this six-week training program. You do have to go through all six weeks. You get to go through all six weeks, sorry. And what it is, is it's, um, it's it builds, right? So it's uh, cohort-based. It's both uh, hybrid. So we do partner with Franklin Covey for online learning content. And then we curated weekly content to support each one of the virtual instructor-led trainings. So week one, it starts with vision and values. And then you are assigned this learning and frankly copy that supports you. So creating a vision statement. What are your values? How do you make your values come to life? Session two is shaping your culture. So building trust and rapport, but primarily focusing on credibility. How do you build credibility? What does that mean? And then it builds, right? So then week three, we practice powerful feedback and one-on-ones. Week four builds on that. We look at coaching, specifically coaching through change. And then week five builds on that where we're really executing against our goals. So that's building like, you know, what are OKRs and how do we build smart goals and how do we support our teams in executing on their goals? And then the final week is making commitments to your growth as a leader. We also include with it a 360 assessment. And I might be misremembering this, but is this the program that is taught by leaders internally? That's a different one. That's so, a different one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. We got a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, that's a program that's um, that's that that we also have for for people who graduate from from this lead program. Okay, and, got it. Yeah, and that program is leader deep dives, Daniel, and that's the one where we have one per quarter, and it's about critical leadership topics. So everything like difficult conversations was one of them delegating like a boss. I mean, all of these different topics that people are like, yeah. And then we we bring in about three for sort of fireside chat conversations with leaders all across the company. And they talk about how they do it. What are the best practices? What to avoid? And then it's open invitation kind of first come first serve invites. And so we're really trying to flip the script a little and really, again, sustainable. You know, We can't continue to facilitate everything in-house. So like, let's bring in the experts, people who know how to do this well, bring them in and have them talk about like, how do they delegate or what does it mean to really prioritize or, you know, how do you identify what's the alligator closest to the boat, right? For your team. And um, so. I like, yeah. I like how if you, if you work at Tanium, let's say you start as an IC, there's a program for you to develop your soft skills. And then let's say you get promoted to a manager, then you're going into to lead and it's a six week training program. And then once you graduate from lead, then there's, sorry, what are you calling this one? Leader deep dives. Okay, yeah. There, there's, there's a program for everybody. And um, I'm curious, like, what has the reception been like? Like, for the, for the, for the managers or the, the leaders at your company that have gone through this six-week program or are in these deep dives, like, what's the, what's the reception? Um, you, you know, people, well, 
there's wait lists for everything. So I feel like that's <laughs> it. A thought. A thought. And if we could have more, I mean, if we can, you know, build the team out even more, you know, we'd probably have more people. So I think that says a lot. People love the programs. I mean, people want to join. They want to hear from each other. They have a lot of respect for the leaders who are teaching. And then the MPS scores are like, you know, we always joke, my, my, my manager will joke and say, you know, for most people, like having a 4.5 out of 5 is good. I'm like, oh, you know, we our, our MPS scores are high, you guys. They're 4.7, 4.8, 4.9. You know, people love the programs. Um, and and the, and the feedback is honestly, the biggest piece of feedback we get is more, can we have more time? Can we have more programs? You know, can we do this more? Well, and you, and you mentioned earlier, you would do more if you had a, a, a larger team. And so I'm, I'm curious, what does your team look like? Let's talk shop a little bit. Like what, what is the team structure? How did the facilitators, you know, you know, is it, uh, what's the facilitator model look like and how do you. How are you deploying this across the company? Yeah, this is a this is a this is like the question that makes me sweat. Um, <laughs> like it's a, it's so the team is work global enablement, right? And then within that, we've got um, our our global enablement team is quite large. It's eighty four people, right? And then we have sales enablement and technical enablement are the largest teams, and then we have our leadership enablement um, team, which is where these programs are run out of. And so what we do is honestly beg, borrow, not steal, but we do a lot of collaboration, you know, where we'll mm -hmm. take a facilitator who's, you know, like our facilitator will bring in an external facilitator if we need to, or another facilitator who's a sales coach, who's really excellent and who's got credibility and kind of really share the love, do a lot of training the trainers, building that out. And then we've got a team who have, have a lot of support in the back end for my team on all of the kind of like registration pieces and all of those critical communication plans. So we work closely with HRVPs to support the team and everyone in enablement steps up. So we have this kind of very dotted line model for everybody to support all of these trainings because right now, um, at least in enablement, you know, most of the team, at least right now, we're not hiring is slowing. We're not, we're not growing the teams right now, but we're also really trying not to slow what we're able to to offer the business yeah yeah what a great chance to get ahead on your pipeline of you know for the programs <laughs> right because the, the total number the denominator isn't getting bigger right now so like let's try to get more people through and and, and not so burn out and not burn out yeah and well and it's and it may be too late for that right because uh, i can imagine the work that has just gone gone into designing the programs and deploying the programs and now managing them and, and, and keeping them fresh. And so I, unfortunately, we're running out of time, but I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier around culture, culture enablement, I think is what you, you, you called it. The, the decision to change the, the terminology uh, or the nomenclature for managers and for employees and I'm just curious, what were the conversations that led to that with your your leadership team? I, I've got to imagine this a change like that is going to get visibility all the way at the top, right? And so, you know, what what went into kind of those conversations, and 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 ultimately, what led to to your CEO or your CHRO deciding like, yes, this is the right thing to do to strengthen our culture? Yeah, this is a good question because it's really just 
honestly happening, like as we speak. In fact, I would venture to guess that anyone who's listening to this podcast who's maybe at TDM is like, I didn't know that. You guys probably heard it first. Um, so it's happening right now. We have a new CEO. His name is Dan Streetman. And we also had a Tanium kickoff um, recently and where we announced this. Sabina, our, our CIO, announced this change. And, and it's, it's, it's not, it's a, it wasn't even about like conversations or negotiations. It was really about how does, how does the language we use and the way we refer to people further support our values and our culture. And, it, and it's quite simple, right? Um, we're all leaders. If you are a person who is responsible for a team, one person, other people, and even if even if you're not, like you're a leader because you're working at Tandem. You're not just managing, you're leading and embody those leadership traits. And it really means we're, we're, we're invested in you. We see you as a leader and see yourself that way and speak about yourself that way. And so there's a, that cultural shift. And again, employees versus team members, also no ICs, because no one is an individual contributor. You're all part of the team. So we're really even moving away from calling people an IC. You're not an IC. You're looking around and you're always winning as a team. So if you're an IC, you're not really embodying the, the value of one as a team, right? So you're a team member. We all are. And that changes the mentality of there's no I. We're all in this together. And I'm a leader. And every decision I make is going to embody that value. I love that. I wish we could dig in, but we have two we have two minutes left <laughs> on the clock. So let's get into rapid fire questions. So question one, how do you define a modern people leader? What are the traits and characteristics? Yeah. I for me, curiosity before judgment. And I had that before um Ted Lasso, by the way. Um people like, oh, it's Ted Lasso. No. But but really curiosity, you know, and that and that and that's aligned with empathy, and that's aligned with really seeing a person as a whole person, you know, um, and and leading, leading servant leadership, really, like leading as I'm with you. What can I do? There's no like this hierarchy idea of oh, you know, you should be doing this because of X title, right? A leader, a real modern people leader, sees the team and sees a whole person and leads through that whole person. Um, and the other thing is also, one size doesn't fit all, you know? I mean, if you're a modern people leader, you're really looking and saying, you know, is what I'm doing landing with you, Daniel, or you, Stephen, or how do I change what I'm doing, slightly adapt it based on who I'm working with? Um, and and open, open, up, open up your eyes, you know, to see the whole person. Love that. All right, question two. If you could go back in time and talk to a 22-year-old you, what career advice would you give yourself and why? Holy moly, this is my favorite question for sure. Um, I, um, here's what I would say. You never know who the person is and where they're going to pop up in your life again. And that could nothing could be more true. I'm even getting chills saying it. That person who you chatted with eight years ago when they were just, you know, when they were, they were in a coordinator role or you were in a coordinator or that person who was your CRO and now that they're looking for a job, like you don't know who you worked with and where they're going to pop up and how your network is going to need you or you're going to need them or where you're going to collaborate. So always, always treating everyone with dignity, curiosity, um, and, and, and just assume you're probably going to see them again, work with them again, ask them for a job, et cetera. <laughs> Well, we're now at the end. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> we we have had the amazing opportunity to grow the Modern People Leader community. Um, like I said earlier, every single guest we've had on the show is a part of our success. And the majority of the guests that we brought on have come to us organically um, from people like yourself that uh, have recommended like, hey, this person is just doing amazing work and you absolutely need to have them on your show. And, and so my next question is, you know, who would that one or two uh, individuals be for you? Who are the must-have people that we need to just ma- you know magnify you know what they're they're doing and 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 share what they they're what they're doing with the world? Yeah, I love this question. The first person that comes to mind is um is somebody. His name is Ralph Laura, and uh, and he is a time tested. He's actually a CTO and a CIO, so he is not in that people space. But I have to tell you that I worked with him a long time ago and um, I've never seen a person embody servant leadership and humility on such a level as this person. And he grows teams of people that will follow him, that adore him. He is a thought leader and just an absolute um, giant of a person and, um, and one of those people who, um, who has an influence on people and, and doesn't even know it. And years later, you think about, gosh, man, that guy was really a good leader. Um, so he's he would be the person that I would I would give a shout out to. Love it, love it. Well, we'll definitely reach out to Ralph, and we'd be honored to have him on the show. And and that gets us to our final tradition: one word or phrase close. We all respond with you know something that we're going to leave this episode with. And uh, and so yeah, who wants to to kick us off? I can go first. I'm going to say curiosity before judgment. I love that. I love that. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. I'm going to go with intentional culture. Ooh, yeah. I love that. And I'm going to go with have a voice. I keep going back to your parents and what they, uh, what they shared with you. And I just think that's so amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I know you, you need a run. And so um, we'll, we'll go ahead and say goodbyes, but this was an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for joining the Modern People Leader. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Good to see you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thanks for, for tuning in to another episode of the Modern People Leader. We, we really, really appreciate it. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating. It would mean the world to us. And connect with us on LinkedIn. We want to we wanna know what you think about the show. And uh, yeah, you can you can find links to both of our profiles in the show notes. So thanks again for listening and, and see you on the next episode.